1: price picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit prizepickscom slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars price picks daily fantasy sports made easy
2: welcome to the awesome MMA strategy show for UFC 264 which is on saturday night inside the t-mobile arena headlined by the trilogy matchup between Dustin Poirier and conor mcgregor will be here for the next hour breaking the down the dfs slate for you of course we are sponsored by monkey knife fight later on in the show we'll give you there are some lines that i have already jumped on over at monkey knife fight that uh We'll, we'll see if those lines are still what they at when I play them a little earlier today, but that is one of the keys there at Monkey Knife Fight to jump on those lines. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, to me, overall, when I look at this slate, there are two fights to me that stick out of, of must roster on DraftKings. Obviously, one of them is the main event because of the pricing at 8100 for both guys. I don't know how you, you're not slamming at least one of these guys in every lineup that you have. And to me, the other one is Taha Vasa Greg Hardy. Like that's pretty much how my roster construction really is starting when I'm breaking down this slate.
3: Yeah, 100. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be very difficult to get away from the uh, the main event. I think that it's an excellent matchup, excellent um, implications. I mean, there's a lot on the line for both guys. Uh, a lot on the line for Conor McGregor and his legacy. Um, a lot for Dustin Poirier to prove that he's you know legitimately. Uh, at the top of the division. Uh, I think that he's really showcased that over the course of his career. Um, And I I feel like uh, we saw a great performance from him in the last time out against Conor McGregor. And we'll have to see how this fight plays out. But I think that roster construction starts at the main event and then, uh, you know, locating these volatile matchups. One of one that you you spoke of um, between Tai Tuibas and Greg Hardy. Um, You know, some awesome salaries, some spots that are, are nice to target and some matchups that i definitely have
2: no problem fading yeah there are definitely some ones there of course uh, appreciate everyone joining us here on a thursday afternoon by the way this is our new time slot on Thursdays, 4 o'clock Eastern time. So we're pretty much here every Thursday as UFC's doing 42 events a year. So, of course, and then on Saturday, we'll have Live Before Lock. We'll be on from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time, leading you up to UFC 264. Of course, uh, if you are not subscribed, also on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. we got a lot of great shows for you each and every day. Of course, coming up after us will be MLB Deeper Dive followed by MLB Live Before Lock to get you ready for tonight's MLB slate. Speaking of MLB, our free premium data and tools over at Osmo.com today is MLB Top Stacks. Also, the NBA Showdown single game ownership projections is free on the site. So if you are not a member of Osmo.com and you want to see what is behind paywall, get a little bit of a peek behind the paywall. Be sure to check out that free premium data and tools we have over there at Osmo.com. But Pete, let's get right into this trilogy matchup. Conor McGregor, Versus Dustin Boyer, I've taken in a lot of things uh, of content of uh, Chris Weidman breaking down this fight, and the one thing that he really brought up that stuck out to me more than what anything else anybody brought up is he goes, you know, everyone's talking about the calf kicks from the, from the second fight, and he says if you really think about it, he goes, it why, it likely was not the game plan of Dustin getting into it, but it was because of that stance. That connor had that was so boxing centric that he, it was the in-fight adjustment of like hey if you're just gonna give this to me i'm just gonna keep hammering with him
3: yeah absolutely i think it had a lot to do with connor training for Manny pacquiao in hopes that that you know match would actually come to fruition um it did not and uh connor thought you know maybe he could run through Dustin poirier rather quickly and uh you know get a bigger fight as the year progressed but I will say that it was an excellent adjustment from Dustin Poyer to start targeting that heavy lead leg of Conor McGregor. And uh, whether it was a part of the game plan or not, uh, you know, if you land a shot and you notice that your, your opponent did not like it or that they're not adjusted to it and, uh, you know, their defense for that specific shot isn't there, you're going to go back to that well over and over and over. Just like if a, you know, a fighter can't defend a jab or a left hook, they, they have a bad tendency of dropping their right hand. So you're just going to go to that left hook well over and over and over. Um, and, you know, we saw the results of that, uh, Conor McGregor's mobility was definitely, uh, you know, hampered. And then Dustin Poirier turned the tides, started to accumulate some volume, some big, heavy shots and caught Conor McGregor with a beautiful hook that ended up sitting him down, whether it was, you know, partially because he was off balance, but also a really strong shot. And then some follow-up ground and pound that was, uh, you know, turned the lights out of Conor McGregor, you know, right, you know, whether it was just a quick, you know, like a flash KO or he was actually really, really hurt. I think that it was only gonna, going to get worse from that position. So it was a legitimate stoppage. I'm excited to see how this fight plays out. I think, uh, you know, the, the general consensus is that Conor McGregor is extremely dangerous within two rounds, rounds one and two, you have to be on your toes. You have to be, you know, aware of that big left hand, aware of that counter boxing Because, you know, despite Dustin Poirier showing that he has like a granite chin within the 155 pound weight class, he still has to be, you know, aware of that power and aware of that timing. So as the fight progresses, Dustin Poirier should be able to take over. And I do like Dustin Poirier in the matchup. And it hurts me to say um, I like both of these guys. I really do. I just feel like Dustin Poirier at this moment uh, is the better MMA fighter.
2: Yeah, I mean, I brought up this question yesterday on my podcast. Is Conor McGregor still an elite fighter heading in the UFC 264? There's a lot of questions related mm-hmm. to Conor. And look, I mentioned this from a DraftKings perspective 8,100, 8,100. I'm creating a group on Fancy Cruncher saying, give me at least one of these guys. Ideally, I would love for it to be a 50 50. Type exposure because yeah. I, I i i can make the case for connor win the fight i can make yep. the case for dustin poirier win the fight i on DraftKings, i don't see how you can avoid this fight just because of the pricing now FanDuel, i think it could i i can see why maybe you would avoid the main event because of the pricing of twenty dollars for poirier and, and nineteen dollars for Connor mcgregor but to me like i look at this and, and i'll say this you know there may be a time by the time we get to the main event on Saturday night, maybe, maybe your DFS lineups just are in good place. If you're looking to make a wager on these, on these fights, I will tell you the one prop that that stuck out to me above all else was Dustin Poirier via submission right now, plus six fifty. Mm.
3: Yeah. I, I think that it's a viable uh, prop to target. Um, even Dustin Poirier did mention it in one of the interviews that I saw and uh, listened to, he did mention that, you know, he thinks it's going to hurt Connor on the feet and going to have some great moments, but he really feels like he might submit him. Um, I, and I think it's, it's uh, you know, a nice spot to target. And I don't think that Dustin Poirier will shy away from takedowns or grappling just because Conor McGregor is kind of, you know, uh, talking down on grapplers and submission uh, submission. So I think that Dustin Poirier like maybe wants to go to that. Well, even more, more so, because like, you really hate it and it's going to frustrate you if I'm trying to grapple you and put you on your back to nullify your strengths. So I'm going to do that to you and uh, I'm excited for it. I think that's an awesome prop to target and live betting for MMA is easily the best thing you can, you can do. So um, after rounds one, maybe even after just round one, you maybe you want to start looking at that Dustin Poirier line if it continues to go and uh, maybe that's where you could get a a nicer spot, but uh, you know, if you aren't live betting MMA, I strongly suggest you start. Like, it, it's, it's possibly one of the best uh, sports to live bet.
2: Oh, I mean, obviously, I live in a state where betting is not legal, but I, I pull up. You know, the DraftKings Sportsbook. And I just kind of see what that live line yeah. looks like. Just kind of see how people are thinking here. I mean, look, if you believe Conor McGregor is going to win on Saturday night, the likelihood is it's going to be in round one or round two. So mm-hmm. maybe you look at those prop bets right now, Conor to win round one is plus 250. And of course, by the way, Anthony, I appreciate you there in the super chat. Much, much appreciated. Um, you know, look, if this fight hits round three, rounds four, it, it should be Dustin Poirier's fight. You know, obviously you have a lot of question marks. I mean, and, and I'm sure we're going to get this question on Saturday. So I bring it up right now. You, you open the stack in the main event? I'm not. And I'm not because
3: I don't think it goes the distance. If it goes the distance, I'll be really, really surprised. The price point is absolutely perfect for a stack. So if you are different than me and you think that it can go five, then maybe stacking's viable for you. But for me, it's not. I either think that Conor McGregor gets it done really early or that Dustin Poirier in the middle rounds takes out Conor McGregor. Um, I think that Dustin Poirier is, uh, you know, he has more tools. I'm not so worried about his chin at 155 pounds as, you know, we were at 145 pounds against Conor McGregor. Um, you know, the durability is there and the cardio. I think the cardio is the number one thing. And that's the the major concern around Conor McGregor is, okay, after rounds one and two, he kind of falls off a cliff and isn't the same fighter that, you know, the pop isn't really there on his shots as it was early on. Um, and also, like, I don't know, the, the toughness and the heart seems to sometimes be there. It's inconsistent. Whereas Dustin Poirier gets lit up from Dan Hooker in that fight and uh, you know was still fighting through a war. And I think uh, Dustin Poirier is a little bit more battle-tested.
2: The one thing that I'm looking to see, and we're going to find out very early in this fight, is – the stance of conor mcgregor does he kind of go more to that mm-hmm. that bouncing in and out type style that we, we have seen with him is he throwing kicks quickly you know it does he get away from that b- very boxing centric stance that he had I- in the first fight also look i'm interested to see what happens tonight at this pre-fight press conference because yeah. conor old school conor is alive and well fellas he is alive and well we have seen him you know poking at Dustin employee you know he had the the, the voice memo he put on Twitter, direct mm-hmm. at Poirier. Then he has a screenshot, you know, claiming that Poirier's wife is trying to contact him on, on in, in Instagram direct message. Like, I can only imagine what it, it was going to be. I mean, look, I think that when you go back to their very first meeting, what was that, 2014, that that clearly got into the head of, of Dustin Poirier leading into that fight. But he's a, he's a much older guy. He's talked about that. He, he's he's talking the game that this isn't bothering him. But Pete, you know this mental mental warfare is an aspect of the fight game. And the question is, I mean, yes, Conor is is selling pay-per-views. I had a buddy last night tell me, he's like, he goes, man, the way Conor's talking, he goes, he's got me to buy the pay-per-view, you know? So like that's part of this fight.
3: Yeah. I mean, I love Conor McGregor. Like he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, I, I also realized that, you know, this isn't an easy matchup for either fighter and mental warfare was a huge part of the first encounter and you know you saw an immature fighter in Dustin Poirier where he allowed it to get to get in his head and he fought a little emotional was a little pissed off I think that the more mature Dustin Poirier the more battle tested he's seen it all in the octagon and he's fought a you know a large portion of the 155 pound weight class so I I don't think that he's going to be flustered too much but the only person that can really answer that is Dustin Poirier I mean we won't know, um, especially with a large crowd in attendance, how the crowd will affect the performance of either one of these fighters. Um, I will tell you that McGregor thrives off of a crowd for sure. And perhaps the the limited attendance in Abu Dhabi maybe was a, a slight tick in uh, Dustin Poirier's favor. But we will have to see. Um, you know, I can't fault you if you like Conor McGregor in the fight. I personally like Dustin Poirier at 8,100. I'm excited for the fight, and uh, it's a spectacular main event.
2: On my podcast yesterday, I picked Connor. Really? My co-host, he picked Dustin. I, I Look, I think I think this fight, in the betting odds show it. This is a very close fight. I think either one of these guys can go it this way, but if Conor's going to get the job done, he gets it done early. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin uh, in, in the YouTube chat says, he goes, I'm a huge Poirier fan, but McGregor won that first round, and Louis has been living in the gym knowing he needs to win this fight. I think he can put him out. I was watching the countdown show. That was my biggest takeaway about yeah. the difference between Conor McGregor and pretty much every other MMA fighter where Conor McGregor has a financial ability to literally go wherever, set up his own gym, bring in all of his coaches, all of his training partners, take care of all their living expenses, and everything is about the fight. It's just, there's, I mean, can you name me an MMA fighter that can really do that? Besides Floyd Mayweather, no. Um, So, and he's not an MMA fighter. So uh, I think
3: that Conor McGregor is in a league of his own in regards of that, but, uh, you know, he doesn't need to fight. So clearly he wants this back and this is like a revenge spot for him to get, you know, to, to really put a stamp on this trilogy and say that he was the better fighter than Dustin Poirier. Um, He was able to do it in the Diaz. Well, well in the, in the second encounter when he first, you know, suffered defeat against Diaz, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how this fight plays out. And I think that, you know, Dustin Poirier an American top team, he's been with them for a very long time. I do think that he has, a higher quality of training partners that come in and out of the doors there as far as mm-hmm. like uh, top tier MMA fighters, whereas Conor McGregor may have specialist coaches and may have everything catered around him and to him. But it's it's tough when you're surrounded by yes men. Uh, I'm not saying that's the case for him, but I will tell you that, you know, Dustin Poirier is probably, you know, bleeding and sweating in, in the gym um, around hungry fighters that don't really care that he's Dustin Poirier.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, we, uh, American top team is it's a massive facility yeah. and, and fighters going in and out of there. Let's uh, leave this, uh, leave this fight on this question from someone in the chat, uh, asking Pete, how much Connor will you have?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a split for me, right? Like if I'm doing a 150 max, there's no way I'm, I'm not putting Connor McGregor in there. I mean, he's done the unthinkable many times. I think it would be more like a 60-40 for me. I I do favor Dustin Poirier, but I can't ignore Conor McGregor. And it's not like you're paying up for one, you're getting one in the discount. They're both at 8,100 flat. So, you know, it's nice either way. 60-40 split for me, leaning towards Poirier.
2: Of so course, if there's ever a time where you're unable to watch the O MMA strategy show right here on YouTube, you can catch a part of the Awesomo Podcast Network. Of course, this is one of the best ways to get a free month of Also awesome Plus Platinum as all of our shelf life shows are up there. The strategy shows you can check out there, are part of the Awesomo Podcast. Network. just go to awesomo.com slash podcast and make sure when you're there, submit a five-star review with your Twitter handle or Osmo username, and you'll be entered to win a free month of Osmo plus platinum. One winner is awarded every Friday. Your views are eligible up to one year. It's simple, it's easy, and it's your best chance at winning a free month of also plus, which is a value at about $90. So head over right now, and you'll be so you can be eligible to win. That prize area. Be sure to check that out. Great stuff. Uh, We'll tell you that uh, the ownership and projections are up for Saturday's card over at Osmo.com. So if you are a member, you can check that out there. Let's move over to the co-main event. Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Stephen Thompson, the betting favorite in this one. We look at the DraftKings lines, 8,500 for Wonderboy. 7,700 for go Burns. birds. Go has, has said some pretty interesting things leading up to this one. He, he's talked about, you know, the fight against Kamar Usman. it was a great learning lesson for him mentioned about, you know, he was overconfident in that one, but let me ask you this. He's brought in Raymond Daniels, which he said it was actually John McCarthy who recommended this to him, but can you get used to a wonder boy style in a six week training camp?
3: Um, Six weeks is tough because karate styles are very difficult to deal with. Um, Tyron Woodley had to make some adjustments and bring sparring partners in as well uh, to really imitate and uh, try to give you a feel for karate style when he was facing off against, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But, uh, you know, six weeks against Raymond Daniels, I'm sure it wasn't easy sparring sessions. And I'm sure it wasn't pleasant at times because it's a very frustrating experience. The footwork is completely different when, when you're fighting a karate fighter. Um, that's my background. So I, I understand how a karate fighter is very, very difficult to deal with. Um, it's the footwork. It's the elusive striking. It's the kicks that a lot of people that, you know, really underestimate. You have the nice side kicks. You had the nice lead leg round kicks to the head. Um, and then the angles you see, uh, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, if we're going back, you look at him piecing up Jorge Masvidal, Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal, all heavy hitters that have similar power to Gilbert Burns. I think that Gilbert Burns really has a grappling advantage. That's no—that's nothing new. Everybody knows that. Like If he can get Steven Thompson down, he's going to be able to you know, possibly work on getting a submission finish over him. But I think that Thompson's takedown defense is uh, pretty solid. He'll be able to keep it on the feet. And I think this is going to be a fight played out at range. So range, elusive striking and footwork are the three things that he had to have covered in those six weeks. And now now you're talking about all the tricks up uh, Wonderboy's sleeve. So it's a lot to deal with. And I think that anytime you uh, are facing off against a karate fighter, you need a long time to prepare. So I do like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the matchup. Um, but as far as finishing ability, Gilbert Burns, if he lands that big right hand, we have seen Thompson hurt at times.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm more in terms of when we're talking about, you know, building lineups. I, I'm more interested in Gilbert Burns because of, you know, the, the ceiling for him. But, you know, I, I do feel that Stephen Thompson is going to win a decision here. Uh, you know, and Kevin says he goes, Wonder Boy is also just an interesting DSF, DFS specimen. He Could easily go a distance and get lost to Nick and strike, but could also could not be an optimal. He stays careful at range. Yeah, that's that's the thing about Steven Thompson. Like we, we were mm-hmm. talking before the show of like, okay, what what's the percentage of say Steven Thompson getting 90 points? Which that to me, when we're talking about GPPs, I think that's the number you got to be targeting with Steven Thompson based on the rest of this card. And at his price point, I just don't know if he can get there, Pete. Yeah, 8,500
3: 8, uh, to get you ninety points. I probably say early before the show. I said around twenty. I, I'll bump it up to about thirty three percent of the time. So I'd say a third of the time he can get there. Um, it's the accumulation of shots. If there's a ton of significant strikes, if he's able to plant Gilbert Burns, you know, with a knockdown, maybe even a potential finish. But I will tell you that Stephen Thompson is—he's not going to be. Um, you know, anxious, he's not going to go out there and rush anything. So if you're looking for a fighter to go out there and get you around one KO, there's probably better spots to look because Thompson's going to be very patient, methodical, and be a sniper on the outside, picking apart his foe. And, uh, you know, ultimately, once he gets into a rhythm, you saw it in the Vicente Luque, that's when he starts to thrive and shine. And uh, with Gilbert Burns, you know, qu- uh, cardio in question, that could be a nice potential finish, a late finish, but uh, at 8,500, I'm going to be probably level with the field, maybe slightly above, but I'm tempering expectations. I don't expect him to go out there and get me 100 points, but I expect him to win the matchup.
2: Yeah, I would prefer putting Thompson in a cash game as yes. opposed to a GPP. Uh, in terms of the prop bet, the one that does stick out to me is Stephen Thompson wins by decision plus 160. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can head over to uh, OddShopper, awesomeo.com to check out all the betting lines in this one. I mean, look, I think this is, if this was a five round fight, I, you know, maybe, maybe my thought process would be a little different. And that's actually, he, Burns admitted, he's like, he's like, I wish this was more of a five round fight than three round fight. Uh, but he said, he goes, look, the, the opportunity to be the co-main event of a Conor McGregor card he goes, you have to take that. You have to take the fight. And so, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, it's potentially a long road back to getting a title matchup. And, and I think you could very easily make the case, even though Dana White has said Colby Covington will get Kamaru Usman next. If Steven Thompson can go out there and have a spectacular performance, I could see where Kamaru Usman goes. You know what? There's only one guy in the top five I haven't faced. And that's Wonderboy.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that if Warner Boy wins here, I think he's fighting for the title. Um, you know, and uh, maybe it's because Kobe Covington's a little difficult to deal with as far as the matchmakers are considered uh, on some for some fights. Um, but I, I think that Thompson's an interesting stylistic matchup for uh, Kamara Usman. I think that Usman will struggle at times, but ultimately pull out the victory. Um, you know, I have a little bias because Thompson's my favorite fighter. And I I know what he brings to the table and I know how difficult that is for fighters to, to really adjust to. So I'm favoring Thompson in this matchup and I'm excited to see the fight.
2: Yeah, well, you know, really for for Boy, this is probably his last chance to to make a yeah, royal oh yeah. title at, at 38 years old, you know. You know, even though he, he looks like he's about 27, he is 38 uh, years old. Let's move on to the next matchup. It's a heavyweight matchup between Tata Ovassa and Greg Hardy. Tata Ovassa 8400, 7800 for Greg Hardy. This to me is a fight in terms of GPPs. That you have to be targeting because the likelihood is, I don't, you know, I believe someone will get knocked out in this fight. Um, one of the concerns I have on the Greg Hardy side, he's talking a lot about boxing, which kind of makes me wonder, um, you know, if, if Avassa does go with a leg uh, attack on him, how will he handle that? There, um, you know, I, I do like the under one and a half round prop, which is plus one fifty here. I mean, look, I, I, with both these guys have massive power in their hands any one of them can end the night here um you know i think tatu avasa is a better mixed martial artist but greg hardy has got some pop in those hands
3: yeah absolutely um this is a an extremely volatile uh, matchup between greg hardy and tatu Ivasa. you have two guys who hit really hard it's in the heavyweight division and they both have horrible cardio So, uh, the likelihood of this going 15 minutes is uh, pretty slim. I think somebody's going to get finished or somebody's going to quit on the stool. Um, And I think that Greg Hardy, if he doesn't land a shot within round one, I think it's Ty Tuibasa's fight. And, uh, you know, Ty Tuibasa hits really hard, has strong leg kicks. So, automatically, you know that Tuibasa is going to want to expose that heavy leg of Greg Hardy that was uh, susceptible to shots earlier on in his UFC career. So, uh, tai Tuivasa just needs to make sure that his head is off the center line when he's throwing those heavy, heavy leg kicks because Greg Hardy does pack a punch and we did see that he can counter decently well on the contender series and uh, it hasn't really materialized into the UFC yet. But, uh, you know, I think somebody's getting knocked out here and, uh, and that's no surprise to anybody. I don't hate the Greg Hardy call. I just think it will happen on a counter or a wild exchange, um, maybe – Tai Tuivasa gets a little overzealous and drops his hands. I just have, you know, memories of the Junior Dos Santos exchanges and how Junior was able to clip him while Tai Tuivasa was throwing. Um, I'm not saying that Greg Hardy can do that. I'm just saying that there's an opening there. Uh, I'm favoring Tai Tuivasa at 8,400. I think if he avoids the big shot, he can potentially break Greg Hardy and uh, be on his way to a nice score at 8,400.
2: Yeah, this will be my second most exposed fight behind the main event. You know, someone asked if we would have 100% exposure for two of Austin and Hardy. I don't know if I'll say I would go 100%. I would say that I will probably be in the 60 to 70% range on this fight.
3: Yeah, I think 60 is proper, right? Anytime you're above 60, like you're really bullish on a fight, things can go really well for you or or not so well. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think that this is a nice matchup to target for GPPs. For cash, I probably look elsewhere because it's not the safest for either fighter and they both are dangerous. So let's not dismiss, you know, Greg Hardy's athletic ability. But uh, as far as being an MMA fighter, I think that Tai Tu is the better overall one.
2: Of Course, uh, if you want to get access to all the great premium data and tools we have over awesomeo.com, you got to sign up for also plus weekly pass for $29.95. And we do got a promo going on. If you are a new user to, for your first week of also plus platinum, just use the promo code MMA strategy show. That is one word, all caps MMA strategy show for 25% off your first week of also plus platinum. And of course, if you're only looking to play MMA DFS, you can sign up for an MMA plus weekly pass for not 895 stop guessing start winning join also plus today one of the great tools that i love to use there is that top fire tool it gives you a, where you can see everything figuring out that top six percentage over 100 points so great tools to use over there of course these are the tools that alex baker the number one dfs player out there uses every day to help develop his line so be sure to check out those premium data and tools over there as uh, I was checking out those ownerships a little earlier today and trying to figure out who I could potentially get a little bit of leverage on. So, but uh, Pete, let's move on to the next matchup. Arena Aldana taking on Yana Kunaskaya. Yana Kunaskaya 7,900. Arena Aldana, 8,300 over uh, on FanDuel. at $16 for Aldana, $13 for Kuniskaya, uh, you know, this is to me, um, and we'll talk about monkey knife fight because this is one of the, the monkey knife fight fights that, uh, I saw that line. I said, okay, I need to hop all over this one. But to me, if you're a Reno it's it, it's about keeping at range and staying off the, the fence to where that's where I think Kuniskaya wants to take this fight. I think she wants to get up against the fence, make a clinch fight, potentially get a takedown.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I think that Yana Kuniskaya is going to be one of the most popular underdogs on the slate and uh you know i don't blame people for targeting women's mma it's it's volatile at times and whenever you see a fight that you predict is going to be close or competitive that it's okay to target the underdog it's okay to take shots so i do recommend having some exposure to yana kuniskaya but with all that being said her path to victory should be against the cage uh making this an ugly fight in the clinch and possibly resorting to some takedowns to solidify rounds I think that's her best path to victory here, because if she stays on the outside, she could get picked apart by the nice volume of Irene Aldana uh, with those crisp hands. Uh, yes. Yana Kuniskaya has more of a, a kickboxing esque striking style, whereas uh, Irene Aldana resorts mostly on, you know, precise boxing and, and good combinations. I think that the uh, the big cage could be a factor here. If Irene Aldana is able to stay on the outside, uh, keep it moving, defend some takedowns. She has struggled in her career massively against uh You know, defending some takedowns whenever she's fit. You know, fought fighters that want to take her there. So has she made adjustments? And
0: did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
4: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
3: It's my little escape.
4: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
4: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, Void. were prohibited by law. 18
3: plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's the big big question, you know, whenever you have a flight card, is thinking about how their previous fights went. And thinking if they've made adjustments or tried to patch those holes going forward, fighters constantly make adjustments. So it's not like a, a standard going forward. Like, it's not like Irene Aldana is not going to try and get better at, you know, take down the fence going forward. She recognizes her weaknesses and will probably rely a lot of her camp and, you know, focus a lot of her camp on her weaknesses. So for me, it's Irene Aldana. I'm hoping that she made some adjustments, I don't really like this fight as far as uh, DFS is considered because I do think it's going 15. Um, But, I I mean, I can't fault you to having some sprinkle of exposure to Yana Kuniskaya at 7900
2: Of course, this show is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. When you sign up over at Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code OSMO, you get an instant first match deposit of up to $100. And if you've never played on Monkey Knife Fight, I've laid this out on the last show is you got to be looking at these lines early in the week because there are times, Pete, we're always looking for an edge. And right now, there is two fights that I've found an edge on. I've already made a play on, on two fights, this one, and one of them is Irina Danya and Skyev. So when I saw the total strikes line, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, need, need to pop on this one. Yanukuniskayev, 122 and a half. If you would have told me that was the Aldani line, okay, all right, being a little high, but could see that. But then when I and then uh on the side, it's 93 and a half, first off, just go less on, on Unica sky. I, I don't see her getting 122 and a half strikes in this one. The 93 and a half is an interesting number, Aldania. I went less there as well.
3: Yeah, so it's a lot, right? Like um it's a lot and it's going to depend on the clinch. If uh, Yana Kuniskaya gets in the clinch, obviously she can rack up a ton of strikes that way. But outside of that, I think that she could struggle at range against Arena Aldana. Um, I think that Arena Aldana, if you look at um, her previous performances, she has had some, some significant output at times, Uh, 5.52 strikes landed per minute uh, in comparison, Yana Kuniskaya 4.22. A lot of that is in the clinch though, for Yana Kuniskaya. Um, I, I would target the under for Yana Kuniskaya. I think it could get close if a lot of the, the the fight is in the clinch, but I do foresee this being on the outside where Irene Aldana could get more than the Monkey Knife fight prop right there. So I, I'm interested to see this fight and uh, hear about your success over on Monkey Knife fight. I'm a little jealous.
2: You, you know how I do on Monkey Knife fight. I, I'm just... I. It, it's it's me about finding the ones where I think I've got an edge. On the other one that I think is an edge right now is Nico Price and Michelle Paheya. Nico Price, 90 and a half. That, that stuck out to me because I was like, man – for Nico Price to get 91 strikes, it's going to have to go 15 minutes. Michelle Pajaya on the other side, he's 76 and a half. This was another double less situation for me because, you know, the last two fights, and we'll talk about, you know, M- Michelle a little, little bit later, he's shown a, a very, um, not the the balls to the wall capoeira fighting style that we we saw in his early uh couple of fights in the UFC where now it's it's more calculated. This is one of those ones that also stuck out to me. That's why I always say is early in a fight week you got to and you play over monkey knife fight. You got to look at what these are because these lines are going to change based on how people are playing.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, in nico price's previous two fights he landed 150 significant strikes against donald cerrone and 129 against vicente Luque. now um you did tell me prior to the show that he's looking to make some defensive adjustments and possibly change his uh not his style but his aggressiveness and being a little bit more calculated and it's kind of odd because michelle pegea is looking to do the same exact thing and he has done that since suffering a uh You know, a defeat to Tristan Connolly and then a DQ loss to uh, Diego Sanchez. He's kind of taken on a more methodical approach. So I think the less is very interesting, especially when you have chin, you know, questions regarding, uh, you know, Nico Price. If if he gets hit by a big, big shot of uh, Michelle Pajeda, how does he respond?
2: And, of course, the opening fight of the main card is going to be Sean O'Malley taking on Chris Montino. Mike Peterson already checking in over in Slack saying, okay, Pete, I told you I would be here. I'm waiting for your take on Chris Montigno. Uh And, uh, I mean, look, uh, I'm familiar with Chris Montino. You're familiar with him being in, mm-hmm. in the Northeast. I, I've interviewed Chris on, on a couple occasions. I mean, look, I, I think stylistically this is a, a great matchup. For Sean O'Malley, you know, Chris Montino. the one thing you can say about him is look, he's gonna go for it, but he's gonna leave himself open to things.
3: Yeah. So um let me say that, you know, props to Chris for making it to the UFC and taking this on uh, short notice when a lot of fighters were a little hesitant. So massive props to Chris Montino. Um, I uh I'm rooting for him. I hope that he does well. I just think that there are plenty other matchups within the, within the UFC that uh, would have better been a better uh, debut against. Uh, I think that Sean O'Malley is approaching the top of the division and to take on a last-minute repl- last replacement is um, a little odd that they kind of went through with it. But I, I think they wanted to make sure that they uh, didn't lose Sean O'Malley on the card. I mean, a card where you have Conor McGregor and you want to take all the eyeballs that are on Conor McGregor and possibly put them on your new superstar, Sean O'Malley. So maybe Sean O'Malley can start to be the face of the division uh, going forward. So this is, uh, this is going to be a very, very difficult fight for Chris Moutinho. But I do think that there is, you know, a glimmer of hope for him to get in there. If he makes this a grappling match, if he's able to go in there and get back to his wrestling roots and, uh, you know, try to implement takedowns. We don't know how Sean O'Malley is really going to respond to a grappling-heavy approach. Um, if this was Chris Moutinho against the, the Sean O'Malley who fought Andre Sukumta, I, I would have a, a much different opinion about the fight, and I think that it would be closer, but I do think that Sean O'Malley is somewhat hitting his stride. He hits fast. He hits hard. He has a variety of attacks. He's extremely dangerous, and Chris Moutinho in his, in his entire career thus far he has been damaged quite a bit and hit by some shots uh, on the regional scene. So, I think that the uh, the price tag on O'Malley is is warranted at ninety five hundred. Personally, I'll be rooting like crazy for Chris Moutinho, but I, I think that you know O'Malley's going to be uh, chalk city.
2: Yeah, he, he's going to be chalk city. I think the question is just you know if you're playing in a um, you know one fifty max a uh, twenty max, it's just how much you know. O'Malley, you want to get to, especially when you're talking about the price tag at $9,500. Yeah, he's most expensive on, on both DraftKings and over at FanDuel. FanDuel, he, he's $23. So, you know, maybe, you know, if Chris does try to go that takedown route, that maybe, you know, you can rack up some additional points over there on, yeah. on the FanDuel side of the equation. But yeah, to me, it, it's, I mean, look, if you're playing a 150 max, takes take some darts on, on Moutinho because if if Moutinho can shock the MMA world on Saturday night, If you've got him in a lineup, man, you're you're going to be in great position.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that would be one of the biggest upsets that I can remember, uh, especially because Sean O'Malley is like such a a prospect in the UFC's eyes. And uh, I think that they're going to protect him at all costs in certain ways. But Chris Moutinho doesn't care. That's the thing. Like, he'll go out there and he'll turn this into a war. And I think it could come down to who's more durable and to this to this point, I think that Sean O'Malley more durable.
1: Yeah,
2: to me it's uh, for me it's you know I might I might have like you know 150 max like literally Motinho in one or two lineups but I'm just not going to have much of him because I do think Sean Amalia will be a little bit of a showcase for him. Uh mm-hmm. feature prelim matchup will be Carlos Condit taking on Max Griffin Max Gr- Griffin 8700 on DK $21 over on Fanduel for our Carlos Condit 7500 on DK $10 on Fanduel. Um you know this is to me you know Max Griffin is a guy that i'm really going really to paying attention to in terms of ownership because this could be and you brought up a great point to me before the show you know this could be a guy that tries to take carlos condit to take down city
3: i think he needs to right like uh if you're standing up with carlos condit you are playing to his strengths and allowing him to possibly steal rounds from you because he's such a dynamic striker you know very good at range good knees good kicks Um, and he has tricky combinations that kind of catch people off guard and Carlos Condit's on back-to-back victories right now, which is, you know, kind of odd court McGee and then Matt Brown. And you saw what Matt Brown did just last weekend or the other weekend. And that was, that was a big knockout. Um, but I will say that when Carlos Condit's paired against fighters that can take him down to kind of stifle his offense and solidify rounds, he struggles and you can go back and you can look at the losing streak you can also see that Max Griffin's good on the feet. So it's not like he's a fish out of the water. Uh, He has, he's coming off a great knockout win uh, good straight punches. And uh, now you add the fact that he can go in there and uh, you know, initiate the clinch, be the bigger guy, take it down. Um, I I like Max Griffin here at 8,700. The one thing that kind of like stuck out in my mind, right. Is I was a big WEC guy. So I followed the WEC like crazy. So the natural born killer, Carlos Conda, was like one of the biggest names out there. Yeah. He was submitting a lot of people off of his back too. And uh, you know, that's because his wrestling just wasn't there. So he started to resort to a lot of submissions off of his back. I'm not going to ignore Carlos Conda because of those sneaky submissions. Um, I don't think it happens, but I'm just saying that, you know, he has done it to several people throughout his career. And maybe that's something he's going to be prepared for. It. Yeah, I'll be on my back, but I'm going to start working a high guard and you know going after your arm and your neck like crazy. But I think Max Griffin at 8,700 could be one of these guys in the mid range that's uh, kind of lost in the shuffle and could actually have a very very strong performance.
2: Yeah, that's why to me I always talk about I'm looking for these leverage spots in terms of ownership, and he is definitely someone that I am paying attention to. Of course. Uh, football season is right around the corner, which means fantasy football is quickly approaching. And if you trust us with DFS, there's no reason not to trust us with your season-long and best ball fantasy football teams. The same data and analysis that goes into our DFS content tools is going into fantasy football. And we have plenty in front of the paywall for you to get started, which includes rankings, a ton of free articles and videos from Lawfully and Matt. There's a couple of things you need to do. First, go subscribe to the new Osmo Fantasy Football, and follow at Osmo Fantasy on Twitter as well as the Osmo Fantasy Football Facebook. Page move on to the next matchup Nico Price against Michelle Pajaya. Michelle Pajaya, 8,900, 7,300 for Nico Price, and then over on FanDuel, 19 and 14, respectively. This is one of those ones I feel like GPP you also got to be kind of looking at just because of who these guys are. Um, you know, even though Nico Price has talked about, you know you know, being more defensive instead of getting these wars. He also kind of admitted that, you know, Hey, the dog fight can still come out at me. Mm-hmm. All things happen. You know, Michelle ahead with that cap style, we saw that exciting style early on is, his UFC fights, but his last two fights, it's been a more calm, calculated, type matchup you know this is one of those ones that even at 8900 with with michelle here this is a fight that i want to have both sides on and i mentioned in our slack channel earlier this week that there were some underdogs that i that i'm really paying attention to nico price is one of those underdogs i can't fault you man
3: and i i will tell you that i wish the ufc did this matchup before both of these guys started to be a little bit more calculated and methodical, (laughs) you know, when they were just two wild men, I wish they would have paired them up against each other. And uh, that would have been fireworks. Now this fight still might be fireworks. And I think that it has the makings of being a a fantastic fight. You have Michelle Pellet, who has more diversity within his striking attack. Uh, You have Nico price with the more thudding power, I would say. Um, And uh, he really throws, he really throws down and has some sneaky submissions. So uh, I definitely will have exposure to Nico Price. I think he's one of the best underdogs on the entire slate, so you need to split your exposure there. But for me, I feel like Michelle Paya could possibly expose that chin issue of Nico Price that was, uh, you know, evident early on in his career. I mean, the Vicente Luque, the Jeff Neal, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, um, like those are three three fights where Nico Price has taken a ton of damage, and I can't really say the same about Michelle Paya. To this point um so i'm leaning michelle Pajeda, even though it's at 8900 even though i have questions regarding the uh, aggressiveness of both men and i never thought i'd really say that but uh, you know the interviews and how they're saying that they want to you know kind of refine their technique and calm down a little bit and be more defensive minded is uh, always something to note but i am favoring michelle Pajeda ever so slightly i don't hate the nico price underdog call though jason
2: yeah, it's just in terms of GPPs. I mean, look, it, it's a boom-bust type play for Nico Price, but to me, I am going to take some uh, darts on him at 7,300. Love the price point. Another fighter down that range that I like the price point, I'm going to take some shots, and that is Ryan Hall at 7,100 taking yeah. on uh, uh, your boy. First off, I'm, I'm watching Teporia's uh, chat with the media yesterday, yeah, and I'm really wondering... Is how how I feel like he's trying to, uh, he's, he's not giving the proper respect to Ryan Hall because, Pete, you don't want to play jujitsu with Ryan Hall. Yeah. So, the
3: one thing that happens a lot in MMA fighting is that egos get in the way of facts or footage or opponents sometimes, and uh, you feel unstoppable at times. And I think that's where an undefeated fighter like Ilya Taporia is at right now a lot of undefeated fighters have this problem where, well, it's, it's very good when you're winning, but also when, uh, when you lose, it's, it's, it's very difficult to deal with. So Ilya Teporia, much better striker than Ryan Hall. I probably say the better wrestler, but the jujitsu is where he could fall fall into a trap from Ryan Hall, who, you know, has so many sneaky skills up his sleeve and so many different entries into leg locks that even if you think you're comfortable, you're not because I'm telling you, Ryan Hall's, you know, leg lock game is, you know, leaps and bounds above everybody. So um, Ilya Taporia does seem like he's overlooking Ryan Hall, and that's a very, very dangerous thing. So him overlooking him does make me like Ryan Hall a little bit in my GPPs. So I wasn't going to get to much Ryan Hall. I am going to get to some Ryan Hall now. But with all that being said, I still favor Ilya Taporia in the matchup. I think the striking's there. I think that he's actually a really talented fighter. Um, you know, I think that he, if he does the right game plan, he can win this fight. It's if you don't pay respect to Ryan Hall in certain areas of the fight, that's when you could actually get submitted quickly and not even realize it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that to me is if you tell me this fight plays on the feet, yeah, it's to pour right. fight to lose. No, no mm-hmm. question about it. But if this thing does go to the ground and you're to pour your backer, that's when you're scared because you just cannot play jujitsu with Ryan Hall. Otherwise it may be a, uh, tap or snap type situation with 100%. what he can do. Um, so, but that has got to, you know, look, if you, Taporia, I still believe is a solid play, but it's, he's got to keep a fire on the feet. If this goes to the ground that that's when you want to have Ryan Hall in your lineup.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it reminds me of that Jamal Hill, Paul Craig matchup, right. Where, you know, Jamal Hill is undefeated. He looked great. And then uh, ran into a guy that's a specialist on the mat and got a little overzealous. So hopefully uh, Ilya Taporia doesn't do that. Cause I do like his promise within the division.
2: Oh, someone bringing up your favorite L word in the
1: chat. <laughs> the
3: lock, I don't know if I'd say to poise a lock because, you know, the leg lock game is just, you know, the better fighter doesn't always win. And that's why the word lock is so difficult for MMA because the better fighter doesn't always win. And you could do all the analysis in the world. And on that given night, somebody can just go out there and completely upset you.
2: There's only one fighter in this car that I would be tempted to go just lock him in every lineup. And you know who that is. Yes, I do okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> he forget well, on, I'm like should we did you forget the conversation we had like 10 minutes? No, I,
3: I had scroll I had to scroll on the d- topology I'm like, who's he referring to? Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, you were yes. for Sean O'Malley. yes. Right. Uh let's move on. Next one. You got Giles against Tapuisis, uh eighty two hundred for depuis, eight thousand for Trevin Giles. What's, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: Yeah, so I think that this is going to be a very, very popular fight to target, especially from the underdog. I think you will have uh plenty of people looking at trevin giles because it's this 8000 8, fight where i consistently struggled with this fight uh with this salary range but i do like du Duplessis here in this matchup i think that he has the the more powerful shots i think that he has the more finishing potential out of the two uh whereas trevin giles can kind of squeak out a decision and get by behind his jab good straight shots you know some strong takedown defense as long as his cardio holds up, I think that Dreykus DuPlessis, uh, you know, will throw with bad intentions and could resort to some some takedowns or possibly, uh, you know, hurting Trevin Giles and capturing that neck because in Trevin his losses in the UFC, we have seen that he's uh, suffered some submission losses to Gerald Mearshaw Zach Cummings, you know, it's, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. But I think that the way that du Duplessis hits you, he could rock you, scramble your brain. You end up getting put on the mat, start to work back to your feet. You leave your neck out there. And uh, next thing you know, he's taking it home. So I like du Duplessis moving forward in the division. And that's why I like him in this fight. Um, I think Trevin Giles is pretty talented. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to lean towards Duplessis.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on there. Uh, next up, we got Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Maya 8,800, 7,400 for Jessica I. Uh, th- this is this is one of those fights in this card that I I just don't think I, I might just x both both of these out and, and wow. just pay my attention everywhere else because you know the the price you know Jessica I I mean look she's durable. I mean, outside of, you know, getting KO'd by Valentina Shevchenko, she is a durable fighter. I believe she's fighting for her UFC job here. I think this has got 15 minutes written all over it. I, I think that if I was going to make a play on this one, I'd probably go more Jessica I just because of, of the potential value play, but I just don't see uh, this being an optimal fight.
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the price range on uh, Jennifer May is a little difficult to get to. Yes, yeah, she she had a great moment against uh, Shevchenko. Um, and an excellent win off, you know, uh, win over, uh, Joanne Calderwood, but, you know, at 8,800, you really got to come through and put away your opponent or chain together tons of takedowns to accumulate a lot of points. And, uh, you know, I think that Jessica is going to do everything in her power to keep this fight on the feet and, you know, try and steal a striking match, you know, by the judges. And, uh, you know, we have seen her do that in some fights and get around 70 or so points. So that's kind of like where I'm capping Jessica I out. Like, yeah, I think that she could win a decision and get you 70, maybe 75 points. Um, it all depends on the rest of your lineup and your roster construction. But this is a fight that I absolutely hate for DFS. I, I want Jennifer Maya to win. I think that Jennifer Maya will win. But, uh, you know, Jessica I's ceiling is uh, pretty low.
2: Next up, we got Amari Akhmedov taking on Brad Tavares. And Pete, I got to admit, you mentioned this one to me. Brad Tavares may be a sneaky play over on FanDuel.
3: Yeah, for sure. You have a, a fighter who's notorious for strong takedown defense, fighting a guy in Amari Akhmedov who uh will look to be, you know, implementing takedowns from the get go, big, big power shots, but trying to get his opponents down to the mat. And I think that he could struggle to do so. And Brit, maybe Brad Tavares can capitalize on a questionable gas tank from Amari Akhmedov. So I think Brad Tavares is a stronger play over on Fandle because of takedowns defended. But I do think that uh, Brad Tavares, as long as he doesn't get hit by a big shot, I think that he can win this fight pretty handily. His ceiling is limited as well. Uh, Similar to a Jessica. I, whereas like he can get you about 75 to 80 points because he's so uh, defensively sound that he's worried about stopping their, their takedown attempts and then starting to, you know, come on late. So I think that uh, Brad Devar is 8,600, he's okay. Yeah, I, I expect him to win, but uh, yeah.
2: Then we got golf taking on Rivera. Rivera, 6,900. golf 9,300. And I think that, look, if you're looking to get different, golf would be a way to get different. But I, I think it goes to that Steven Thompson question. What percentage he scores more than 90 points?
3: Well, he's got he's to score a lot more than that at 9,300 because, you know, he's got to get us 100 points. And within that division, it's very tough. You don't really see finishes far too often. Um, you know, at flyweight, it's, it's interesting. But uh, I will say that you could be targeting the fighter facing Rivera, you know, because Rivera is coming off of a lot of damage. I mean, getting knocked out from Ode Osborne, losing to Francisco Figueiredo, then getting knocked out prior to that to Tyson Nam. You know, I, I think that he's struggled at the UFC level for sure. Outside the UFC, Zogos Jumagalov has actually show, uh, shown some promise and beaten some legitimate competition. So I like him to win the fight, and I think that he can mix in takedowns to uh, to really put a stamp on some rounds. But at 9,300, you really got to do a lot for me, especially when Sean O'Malley's on the card and some other high-priced options. So is going to get the W in my opinion, but
2: I, I I don't know if he pays off the price tag. Of course, you see at the bottom of the screen, the great promo we got going on over at awesomeo.com to be an awesomeo plus member. Of course, one of the great benefits of being also a plus member get you into our Slack channel where you can talk to myself and Pete in the MMA channel. I do office hours on Saturdays leading into a UFC card before live before log. So that's a great benefit of being an also plus member is access to our premium Slack channels and, uh, our guy, uh, El Nogoro Loco, always in there with those breaking news, helping us out, uh, of course, the MLB, NBA, and everything. So uh, that's a great perk we have over at Osmo.com. Now, the final matchup, the uh, 9,7200, Amadowski and Yozong. First off, uh, you kind of mentioned to me about uh, maybe taking a flyer here.
3: Yeah, so this matchup is ridiculous. And the fact that, you know, Amadowski has a 9,000 price tag is insane. And it goes to show you that a lot of the odds are just based off of what you see on you know on paper. And Alan and Madofsky is eight and two, whereas uh Hu Yao Zhang is three and two. So a lot of a lot of bookies, a lot of you know experts are just automatically assuming the more experienced fighter is gonna go out there and get it done. But I will say that Alan and Modofsky is uh, more one dimensional than Hu Yao Zhang, who uh is going to be looking to to mix it up and used to compete, you know at a higher weight class, now dropping down to 185 pounds. I like, I don't like, I don't like this fight in general, but I like Zhong from a salary standpoint at 7,200 because we know that Amadovsky, he got absolutely smoked by John Phillips and then completely dominated against uh, Christoph Jaco. Tons of grappling uh, in that matchup as well. So like, I think that Hu Huyaozhong has a path to victory here and I'm going to chase it. There's so much you know, riding on this fight because who, Zhong's uh, you know, absence from the cage, but I, I think that it could be, you know, he could be evolving his game during this absence. So I'm going to take a shot at 7,200 and then we'll have to see how the weigh-ins go. And uh, we'll check you guys out on live before lock. But uh yeah, that that's my feeling on the opening
2: volatile fight of the night. Before we get into our straight up fight picks. uh I do want to thank everyone that's been checking us out here on a Thursday afternoon. Of course, if you're not subscribed to, also be sure to subscribe to the channel. Got great programming for you each and every day. Of course, coming up right after us will be Eric and Adam with the MLB deeper dive, and then it'll be MLB Live for Lock to get you ready for tonight. Hit that notification bell and also give us a thumbs up. We always like seeing those thumbs up. And uh, me and Peter are always checking comments on these videos after the fact. So if you're watching this after the fact, you got a question about something me or Pete said. Hit us up in the comments. We will talk to you in there as well. So let's uh, end the show, Pete, with our straight-up fight picks. Let, let's uh, let's go uh, bottom to uh, the top. So let's <laughs> start the first fight of the night. I will take Amadovsky. I'm going Huyang. Uh I will take Zogus over Rivera. This is your Magalov. Uh, and by the way, these are straight-up picks. These are not DFS-related. Uh, I will take Brad Tavares against Amari Akhmedov. Tavares. Uh, Duplices for me. Uh, I will go Teporia over Hall, but concerned about uh, if the fight hits the ground.
3: Yeah, Teporia. Uh,
2: give me the upset Nico Price.
3: Okay, I'm going Michelle Paeda. Uh
2: I will go uh, Griffin over Condit. Griffin? Uh, I will take Sugar Sean. I think that, that's no surprise. I don't think I have to ask you for your pick. Okay. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, I will take Aldana against Kuniskaya. Aldana. Uh, let's see if we go different here. Uh, give me uh, Tuivasa. Tuivasa. All right. Uh, co-main event. Who you got? I got my boy Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah, and you got, you got to go with your karate Hold right, on. And then before the main event,
3: we missed the fight. Jennifer
2: Maya Just Guy. Oh, uh, Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya. Yeah. Uh, I will go Stephen Thompson. Main event. Dustin Poirier. I'm sticking right now with my pick I made yesterday. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with Conor McGregor. I okay. Okay. Done all right we'll see we'll see if i'm right we'll see if i'm right but that is going to do it for this edition of the also mma strategy show we will see you on saturday for live before lock 5 p.m eastern time coming up next is mlb deeper dive hopefully everyone has a great rest of your afternoon and we will talk to you on saturday for live before lock
0: did you miss your deadline to renew your medicaid coverage